I mentioned that there are a couple of Democrats who occasionally still listen to this program. It's weird. And I, I don't want to out them because there are a few people out there who, I, I don't know, they like me okay or they are doing opposition research, you know, studying the enemy. I don't know what the motivation is. Or they're just traditional Virginians who listen to WRVA. Uh, one of them seems to be, occasionally, Brian Moran, who you know is on the show pretty frequently. And I will always appreciate this because when Governor Northam's team was not okay with certainly the governor coming on and other members of the governor's cabinet coming on WRVA. And they pretty much shut down all of that. For some reason, the Secretary of Public Safety, Brian Moran, was willing to come on every single week. And it wasn't like I just threw softballs at him. Like, here, you knock this out of the park. I kind of challenged him. We, we, didn't, we never had a bad conversation, an ugly conversation, which I'm pleased by. But it was a candid conversation. And in addition to being Secretary of Public Safety, Brian Moran used to be the chairperson of the Democratic Party in Virginia. He was the leader of the House Democrats for a while when he was in the House of Delegates. And and he called me and said, hey, would you, would you uh, be interested in talking to me about the election results? Sure. I'm happy to do that. I, I'm not kidding when I say I would. If you're a smart Democrat who will shoot straight with me, I'm happy to have you on the program. So Brian Moran is with us this morning. How you been? You okay? Well, that, uh, that's a heck of an introduction. I appreciate that. I, I, good morning to you and good morning to your listeners. And I'm I, uh, more than happy to get on, during, uh, particularly during COVID, for over a year and a half. And you sure did, every week. Every Friday at 7.05. But, yeah. uh, you know, the folks that listen to your program are not just Republicans, uh, or at least they're folks who I've met all over uh, the Richmond area, and they're fairly open-minded, and that's why it frustrates me more people don't get on your program because it's important for uh, not only both sides but all sides to be discussed. Uh, we as uh, Democrats feel we have a strong message, and we uh, we think we can move Virginia and this country forward in a way that uh, benefits all, and, and Republicans think the same. So I, I, one of the takeaways from this election was the quality of the candidates hmm. and and in my view, it's important to have good people running uh, as Republicans and as Democrats. It, it helps policy debate for sure, mm-hmm. and it helps politics. And, and uh, people get out and vote when they have a good choice. I mean, these uh, were saw, pretty pretty solid Republican uh, candidates, background-wise. I mean, there's nobody who I thought, oh, my gosh, why did we put this person up, right? I mean, even the ones that lost. Yeah, that's where we might disagree. Oh, okay, <laughs> well, tell me what you think. I probably... Well, I probably find myself in the camp, which is, you know, with Delegate Tim Anderson and, and former Senator Rick Santorum from Pennsylvania. Rick Santorum was on saying, hey, uh, and Rick Santorum won in Pennsylvania. I, I mm-hmm. trust his judgment about mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. Uh, he didn't think Oz could win Pennsylvania. Oh, well, I should, clarify. Was, I should, I should no, clarify Virginia from, versus nationally. Oh. So you uh, let's start with Pennsylvania. If you want to go national, we'll start with the national well, stuff. Would I mean it's, a, it's clearly a national election, and, okay. and, and the Democrats today, yesterday, are happy. They they have every right to be happy because you you have a president who is well under fifty percent popularity. You have high inflation. I mean, you address these issues on your program every morning. But despite all that, uh, and history, the history was on the Republican side, I and mean, mm-hmm. every. You know, the president's team usually loses in the midterms. 
So that, what happened? Uh, Were they just yeah, lousy candidates, or was it the Trump effect that Delegate Tim Anderson's been talking about? Or? Uh, no, I think I think that has a lot to do with it. When Rick Santorum says Oz could not win Pennsylvania, he's he's from New Jersey, and uh, and others were saying he was just a tool in the Trump. Um, uh, you know, uh, political uh, scheme, it it hurts. And, and, you know, New York looked like it might have been a winnable race and you didn't have the right candidate. New Hampshire, similarly. Um, and so I do think there's some real soul-searching. I mean, it's not my party, but it's the, and we've, got, we've been through this before mm-hmm. and continue to be through it in terms of the, the issues and the quality of candidates. But look, that's where... Um, you know, the, the, Tim Anderson raises a heck of a point uh, about Trump, and, and uh, I would agree with Howard. Uh, I didn't know I was bumping him. I apologize to Howard. Oh, it's fine. Know tonight that I, I Please know don't I worry him. about Howard. Trust <laughs> me. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, DeSantis had the big win last year. Yeah. Uh, Florida and DeSantis. And I, and, I, and I don't think it's just because of the demographics of Florida. I think DeSantis has a had a message that, that resonated, uh, but without the Trump persona. And, mm. and but do you that think a, you know, that's a challenge with the, the Trump himself? His personality is just anathema to so many voters. It's but just, you think you think it's gotten so bad, Brian, that a solid that the, the, the Trump's um, relevance to the election will make. The swing voter, the person who doesn't really identify necessarily as a Republican or a Democrat, who wants to go vote uh, and have a say in their future, that Trump's mere presence is enough for them to say, I don't care whether this is the best Republican candidate, and I really kind of like this Republican candidate, I'm just not voting for any Republican. Yeah, well, look at the Georgia race. Look at the, the vote between Kemp and Herschel Walker. Yeah. Uh, they weren't ticket splitting. They weren't voting for Kemp and then voting for um, Warnock. They just weren't voting. Mm. And thousands and thousands of people uh, category that I'm, I'm going to vote for Kemp for governor, a Republican, but I'm not going to vote in the Senate race. They could mm. not vote for Herschel Walker. And Herschel, now I, you, uh, I think you and I have joked about that. I, I haven't heard a positive thing about Herschel Walker. Now, obviously, I'm not in Georgia, but all I've heard about him is the controversies in his background. I haven't and I, I remember him, you know, when he played football. Player, I clearly yeah. remember who Herschel Walker was. He was outstanding, mm-hmm. uh, maybe the best. But I haven't heard a positive thing. Now, you know, uh, you can blame that on the media, of course. But Well, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, how do, yeah, how do it, you fight is, that? But, if... but, but then you look at the results, John, and, and the mm-hmm. Republicans were not voting for him. People who voted for Kemp for governor didn't. So I do think the quality of the candidate and. And you can't help but watch the news, and uh, you probably don't watch CNN, but CNN refers to these candidates as election deniers. Right, Nothing else, yeah, so. Election deniers. And that is a Trumpism um, out of the 2020 election on January 6th. Uh, so, yeah, I think, you'd, you know, again, Republicans aren't asking me, but there's going to be a lot of soul-searching about that. I mean, uh, People were not voting uh, for people who were identified as the election deniers who were associated with Trump. So maybe he wasn't on the ballot, uh, but he was with respect to some of these candidates. And they rejected him again. I mean, they've rejected him ever since 2016. So, uh, you know, that's your choice. But, hey, let's let's spend a minute um, uh, on the Virginia, because yeah, I think yeah. that isn't 
is in contrast to what was happening in some of these other states. And Well, listen, and we one of the reasons I like really talking proud. to you, Brian, is that I feel like, I mean, I'm sure you were to the left of where I am. There's no question of that. But I feel like you represent a different, maybe not your brother, who's also in Democrat politics, but you represent a much more mainstream vision for Virginia as a Democrat than the folks who were leading your party today. Um, I mean, do you feel like you're still in the that's Democratic Party? A, that's probably that's probably a longer conversation. But I, okay. But um, you know, I've been a proud Virginia Democrat since you know I, I moved here in nineteen let's see nineteen eighty five. Okay. Um, then I represented Alexander City, which is a pretty liberal area. I know, uh, very liberal area now. Uh, but there are some things that Virginia Democrats uh, do and do well, and that's to govern. I do think we're we're responsible. Um, but let me let me just speak speak to a moment about um, the Virginia elections. Okay. And I okay. do think they they offer a contrast to what was happening in some of these other states that we've, we've discussed. Uh, we had, in these competitive races, we had six extraordinary candidates. Um, I'll speak to the Democrats in a minute, but you, the Republicans had three substantial challengers. Uh, and it's tough to beat an incumbent. You know, look around the country. It's, it's tough to beat an incumbent. Yeah. But uh, they've got money, they've got name ID, they've got the operation behind them and momentum. Well, and in this case, and in this case, I'd argue they did have some, they, they do have name ID, but they did have some new districts. Loria picked up new areas. Uh, right. Spanberg certainly got a new district. Uh, but um, but speak to the Republicans. I mean, two of them were vote proven vote getters. Uh, Senator Kiggins, a state senator from Virginia Beach, and you had Vega from um, Prince William. She had a mm-hmm. wonderful personal story. Uh, Hung Kao up, up, up in Northern Virginia had a wonderful personal story. A veteran. Um, Kiggins, veteran, Davy. So you really did have extraordinary candidates. Uh, so, you know, hat tip to uh, the Republicans. The Democrats, though, had three really extraordinary public servants as well. Um, you know, uh, Jennifer Wexton, a former state senator, prosecutor, lawyer. You had, uh, you have, you know, Spanberg with the CIA, and obviously a very good campaigner. You had the Blackstone mayor on, and he even saying her praises with respect to how she works. I mean, she goes into the, every community in her district. She works it. And then um, and Elaine Loria, another uh, a veteran and, and uh, proven uh, public servant. So, so for Virginia, I think we should all be proud of what uh, the candidates that were uh, offered to voters truly had a choice. And, um, and I think that, that speaks well of you know, what's happening in Virginia right now well we'll still crunch the numbers um and see do you think in the last decade that the demographic change uh yeah john is as you mentioned i was i was party chair in 2012 right Uh, before that i i served in the house of delegates and i was the caucus chairman and as part of that responsibility i traveled virginia constantly Mm -hmm. all over virginia raising money recruiting candidates supporting candidates and that's when I, I, I saw the demographic change. In, in two, the 2000s, I spent a lot of time, in 2003, 2005, uh, I spent a lot of time in southwest and southside Virginia. Because we used to have, I mean, Roanoke yeah, used was to have some. by like three delegates. One mm-hmm. of them was the majority leader, Dick Cranwell. Right. Uh, you had southside, you had people like Whit Clement and Ward Armstrong. Uh, 
you had Democrats in Southside and, and, and in the Southwest, and mm-hmm. I would go down there and recruit, recruit candidates and continue. And during that decade, you could see the shift. Uh, we were not going to win because we, we put forward very good candidates and this wasn't happening. Um, the social issues on the national party just were not selling in, in that area. Yeah. Um, and as, as much as you try, I mean, I'm always, you know, you right, should but, run people, give but, people a choice. But, you know, the success rate was really wasn't. And but you're just now, fortunate that you you overcame on statewide races. You've got the numbers in northern well, Virginia that, that start to balance that, that out. What happened during that same decade, yeah. during that same time we were pounding our heads against the wall on south side and southwest was the demographic change in northern Virginia. Right. Um, well, listen, can I... Northern Virginia changed substantially, and you saw that in 2012 with uh, Barack Obama. I was chair in 2012 when yeah. Barack Obama and Tim Kaine won in Northern yeah. Virginia. You, uh, you have, you, you know, you, it's tough to overcome that. Youngkin right. did it. Uh, well, that's what, it, let's pick that tough. up in our next conversation, because I'm curious to compare last night with Glenn Youngkin once we start looking at the real numbers, who turned out and who didn't. But i gotta, I got to run. some obvious... There's okay. some obvious um, comparisons, but yeah, yeah I okay. appreciate, uh, uh, enjoy your show. Thanks, John. Always uh, appreciate you listening, and uh, you coming on. Brian Moran, the former uh, Secretary of Public Safety and the former chair of the Democratic Party in Virginia.